welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course. Can you keep a secret? Keep a, keep a secret. Knowing how to respond to the question. Keep a secret. Keep a secret. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. So we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about Just Mercy. Now, this is a book as well as a movie that is based on a true story. In fact, in my recent research, I have been looking into books and movies in relation to those who have been arrested, charged and convicted, but were completely innocent. I haven't had the opportunity to read the book, but I've certainly seen the movie. This movie depicts the story of Brian Stevenson, who is a licensed attorney in the state of Alabama that sets up and opens his own non-government organization called Equal Justice Initiative. Now, Equal Justice Initiative is very similar, or could be likened to the Innocence Project, which is run by Barry Sheck, one of the co-founders in New York. Now, many people speak about the Innocence Project, but there are many organizations throughout the United States and even in the UK that may not have the word innocence or project in their title, but they emulate and do the same kind of work. Brian Stevenson is a young lawyer just graduating from law school. He was a student at Harvard University, and he moves across to Alabama despite the fact that his mother is very much concerned for his safety, being a young black African-American in a predominantly white neighborhood, so to speak, and he does come up against a lot of discrimination in fact, according to the movie, on occasion when he does visit the prison, his identification is scrutinized and then he's made to strip search. From my own personal experience as an attorney in the state of New York, there was an occasion when I attended court and going through the security, my ID was scrutinized and the police officer then said to me, yes, it's real. And that comment remark wasn't at all necessary because of course it was real. But then in saying that, if you put aside discrimination for a moment, being young, female, and an ethnic minority, being black, when I've traveled the world and I've met people, not Americans, but Filipinos, English individuals, and I've said that I'm a lawyer, often because I'm young and look much younger than I really am, people sometimes second guess or verify or validate that what I'm saying is true. In fact, I remember once when I was in the Philippines and I said that I was a lawyer and the person asked if I was a law student 
and I repeated that I was a lawyer and then they asked if I was licensed which didn't make a lot of sense because if I was a lawyer I was clearly licensed and then more recently in New York I met a fellow attorney and I explained that I am an attorney in New York I'm a pro bono attorney and it took quite some time for him to understand that I was not an English lawyer that I was a New York attorney that I was a pro bono attorney in New York because I don't have work authorization and it's fascinating because in England we are not considered to be attorneys we are considered to be lawyers or barristers or solicitors so using such terminology attorney straight away should identify that I'm not UK barred or UK licensed because that's not the terminology we use in the United Kingdom we are not considered to be attorneys we are considered to be lawyers and under the umbrella of lawyer, either a solicitor or a barrister. And so when I had that discussion with this guy, it was irritating to put it bluntly, that he was struggling to grasp the reality that yes, I may have an accent, yes, I may be from England, but yes, I am an attorney for New York, not for England. I wouldn't say that was because of my race. I would say it's more likely the fact that I use the term pro bono. And that's a fancy term, which means I don't get paid. And there are people who hear that term and think, well, I'm pro bono by choice. Nope, far from it. I'm pro bono because I don't have work authorization, not an American citizen, don't have a green card, and don't have a H-1B visa. And so consequently, as a result of that, I'm not able to work, but I can volunteer. And so the pro bono term means unpaid, but for the last seven years, I have been working unpaid in the U.S. as an attorney providing free legal advice to those who cannot afford a lawyer, those who are homeless, immigrants, indigent community, and even ex-convicts. Now, when I found out about Equal Justice Initiative, I was thrilled to hear that there is other NGOs doing the same work as Innocence Project. Plus the fact that Brian Stevenson is an ethnic minority like myself, I was even more enthusiastic about the possibility of joining his team, jumping on board. And then I discovered that his team and him are in Alabama. And I'm only licensed in New York, which means I would not be able to practice as a lawyer in that state because the laws are different. Disheartening as it is, I haven't given up hope that there may be a possibility that in some way or some capacity, I can make a difference in the lives of those who have been incarcerated, who have been charged, convicted, and are innocent. And so watching Just Mercy, it really was an eye-opener because it was my second movie in relation to the falsely incarcerated and my second success story in watching this type of thing. But what I would say is that I was really inspired by the commitment and the dedication of Brian Stevenson. Of course, it's a movie, so we don't know exactly what took place and how it took place and how I responded. But from what I could see, he held his own and he didn't rise to the occasion. He didn't fight back. And that's one of the things I think is truly important. If somebody finds himself on the wrong side of the law, fighting back with words, fighting back with physical force is not going to accomplish anything at all. Instead, what you really need to do is allow your lawyer representative to fight on your behalf. Because even when I think about the fact that the accused Walter McMillan and Anthony Ray Hinton, these are two accused, two different cases, two different 
crimes and offences. When I think about an occasion when Walter McMillan fought back, it didn't serve him any good. And even when I think about another movie called Conviction, and Kenneth Waters, I believe his name was, he's now deceased, when he fought back, he was put in isolation. And so it's about knowing which battles to fight. In the Bible, it says that the battle isn't yours, it's the Lord's. And as Christians, we know that God will fight our battles. But sometimes we lose hope and sometimes we think it's not happening fast enough. It's not happening the way that I'd like it to happen. And we may, we may even lose hope and believe that this is the end. With God, it's not the end. The vengeance belongs to God and the best justice that we can ever anticipate or expect comes from Him. He is the judge of all. And so it's for us to appreciate and accept that, yes, we're here on earth. We have to abide by the laws of the land. But that's not the end of the story. In the case of Walter McMillan, he was arrested, charged, convicted and placed in prison and was completely innocent. His attorneys, who had represented him previously, did not go above and beyond. To be honest with you, it sounded more like ineffective assistance of counsel. It really affected him, and I think that those of us who've never endured or experienced anything like being incarcerated, being in isolation, being in solitary confinement, we cannot fully understand what it is like to have life and liberty taken away, stolen from you. When you've committed the crime, you have to do the time. I'm sure we can all agree with that, including those who are in prison and have committed a crime. They obviously would have preferred to have not been caught, but I'm sure that if they're reasonable enough, they would say, yes, I've committed the crime and I deserve to be punished for it. But what about those who are punished when they've done absolutely nothing wrong, like Walter McMillan and Anthony Ray Hinton? Unfortunately, in Walter McMillan's case, he was eventually found innocent, because he was. He was eventually found innocent. And the way in which it happened, according to the movie, was pretty amazing, pretty inspiring, in fact. Because the evidence was all on the basis of one individual who was the strongest witness. However, it later came out that he had been enticed, stroke threatened into being a witness against Walter. And he eventually recounts, recounts his initial statement. And having looked at all the evidence, it was very clear that Walter was innocent. They had nothing on him. And the prosecuting side, according to the movie, said that he felt troubled and it was all very sort of sensational and eventually he says that I agree and, and this case should be dropped and when I watched it, it was such an emotional moment because the fact is that the prosecution had acknowledged and had admitted that Walter was innocent despite fighting and fighting and fighting Brian Stevenson and saying that I want to reopen this case and want to reinvestigate he accepted and acknowledged that Walter McMillan was innocent. Walter was released from prison. However, if I remember correctly, he ended up suffering from Alzheimer's and he died a number of years ago. And from what I saw, being incarcerated and even though he was released, it, it affected him. It affected him afterwards. I don't know whether he did receive therapy or counseling to deal with the effects and the trauma of what had happened to him. But from what I could see from watching and, and reading is that his life was never the same again. And unfortunately, he died. And I'll say that he died young because Anthony Ray Hinton, who's also depicted in the movie, falsely accused, found innocent after being incarcerated for 30 years. 
he's released and what's amazing is that he actually works if I remember correctly he works for EJI he is actually an employee of Equal Justice Initiative and when I saw his face on the website prior to watching the movie and watched the movie and said that name sounds familiar it's him and he travels throughout the US sharing on his experience and talking about prison incarceration the effects that it has and of course his preference and, and many of us on the outside our preference for an alternative to incarceration in fact the Fortress Society have a program and this program is the ATI program alternative to incarceration where they will spend time in court connecting with lawyers connecting with the accused and discussing whether an alternative to incarceration is a viable suggestion a viable idea in relation to that specific individual in my personal opinion i believe that prison serves its purpose but there are individuals that should not be there because the infraction that they committed was such a minor infraction that it makes no sense that taxpayers money is being spent to have this person in jail for 20 years to life because of a minor infraction and i say that echoing the words of brian stevenson who appeared on the ellen degeneres show alongside michael b jordan who acted him out in the movie and brian stevenson actually makes reference to the fact that there are often african american men or men of color in prison for these extended sentences for a marijuana possession what he's basically saying is that the crime that this person is allegedly charged for allegedly he has committed this crime the punishment does not really serve and justify the length of time the duration in which he is incarcerated it's an excessive punishment and i was doing some research and came across a book that actually has been written by an investigative journalist and according to the book it says that prisons were initially or originally developed as a means to continue to keep the slave trade in other words a way in which to get free labor from african american men so the slave trade no longer exists well at least not in the way we know it because we have modern day slavery but prisons in america specifically were designed for the purposes of keeping slave labor keeping free labor when we think about the population of, of african american men of color in the prisons that makes sense and we think about the fact that a person has been charged and convicted for a minor offense but given 20 years whereas a person of a different ethnic minority now there's a person who's white is instead imprisoned for 6 months or given a slap on the wrist like a young guy who was very good at sports and it was alleged that he had been assaulting sexually assaulting a girl on a field a college field and he had been disturbed by two other students and one of the students actually had to fight him off and the young girl was unconscious but the judge said well he's very good at sports i think maybe he was on the swimming team and we wouldn't want to have him put in prison to ruin his 
future career and um, the prospects of him academically, this would jeopardize him. When we think about such a serious case as that, and that this guy's given a slap on the wrist because he's a good athlete and he's got a great future ahead of him, and then we consider somebody of a darker skin who has not sexually assaulted a person who's unconscious but been in possession of marijuana and given 20 years, that seems pretty unfair. And the reality is that stories like Walter McMillan, Anthony Ray Hinton, and I believe his name is Kenneth Waters, such stories are not uncommon. Such stories will not cease to exist because even in the 21st century, there are still instances of individuals being arrested, charged, convicted, and they were completely innocent. They had committed no crime. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. In fact, there is a lawyer, a Christian lawyer called James Duane, who has written a book. It's called You Have the Right to Remain Innocent. It's a very small book, but phenomenal, because it talks about how African-American men wound up in jail, wound up in prison, because of the absence of the word lawyer, because of the absence of legal representation, because of their willingness to help the police and give their version of events and give their side of the story, and how it all backfires and goes downhill when they are charged for a crime that they have not committed. And even more than that, receive the death penalty. There is times when an appeal is put through and there's a stay of execution, and then there are times when that doesn't happen and the individual either dies in jail or in the past was given the electric chair or the lethal injection. I for one don't believe in the death penalty. I believe that prison serves a purpose if an individual is a danger to society, is a danger to men, women, boys and girls, and of course they should be incarcerated. But I'm very much about rehabilitation because even when we think about those who are innocent who are incarcerated, Yes, they shouldn't be there. And by the grace of God, they will get representation and they'll be able to leave. However, we've really got to think about the fact, the reality, that yes, they're there, they're innocent. But that time spent in prison, although negative, can actually become something positive. If they're able to get their GED, if they're able to study, if they're able to accomplish things in the prison that they would not have been able to accomplish outside, because of where they're from, they're from the projects, because of being from an impoverished community, coming from a family where education is not the primary focus, and so there's no motivation. But instead, by being in that situation, negative as it is, but by being in prison, they have that opportunity to be able to study, to be able to pursue a positive future, and when they come out, their life is transformed positively in a way in which would not have been possible if they hadn't been there. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and have been called according to his purpose. That is a very true scripture, but so many a time we think, well, why do bad things happen to good people? If we think about life as Christians, we know that no person is good because every one of us, we have a sinful nature within us. But there are truly amazing people who do phenomenal things, who change lives. Whether it's one life or a thousand lives, they change lives positively. But then, 
cancer, sickness, death, false accusations, reputation destroyed, loss and liberty taken away, worst case scenario, they lose their life. Electric chair, lethal injection, or God forbid, their life is stolen by another. The reality is that bad things do happen, but I'm a firm believer in us looking at a situation as best as we can, trying to understand it, and then trying to learn from it and grow from it. Taking the negative and making it a positive. We have no idea how Anthony Ray Hinton's life would have turned out if he didn't end up in prison for something he didn't do. For all we know, because of his background, because of where he grew up, he could have ended up in a life of crime, God forbid, or he could have ended up in a situation where he was convicted for a crime he did commit. If he was in a gang, for example. But then at the same time, when we think about what was stolen, what was taken away from him that can never be restored, rather than focusing on that, which is negative, I think it's a lot better to focus on the fact that he is doing amazing work because of what he endured for 30 years. He is changing and transforming lives. He's being a voice for those other falsely imprisoned, falsely incarcerated people. He's standing up and he is speaking and people are listening. We as individuals don't really understand empathy, in my opinion. Empathy is not shouting down into a tunnel and saying, I hope you're okay down there. It's actually getting into that tunnel, getting into that cave, getting into that pit and, and supporting a person in that situation. Because Anthony Ray Hinton has been there, he understands like no other. For those of us who've not been in a situation such as that, we can see what it's really like through the eyes of somebody who was innocent, who has been found innocent, who is no longer incarcerated, and who is a voice and a mouthpiece. It's so sad, of course, that his counterpart is deceased, that his journey ended so short. But the good thing is that he was able to live his life some of it outside of those prison bars. Many years were taken away and many years were stolen. But even so, he has a story and his story lives on. And I believe his story is an inspiration to those who are inside that we can be helped, assisted, heard, discovered. The truth can come out. And by the grace of God, the truth can and will come out whilst we're still alive. There are instances when the truth comes out after the fact, when the person has died. Is it too late? Technically, yes and no. It's too late because they don't have that opportunity to be released back into the world. But it isn't too late because at least that their name and their legacy will live on. And that those of us who look back into history, we will see and know that person was innocent. Yes, that life was lost. However, it wasn't exactly lost in vain because we know that we have a story and that story can be used to bring change in organizations like the Fortune Society with the ATI. The fact of the matter is there are so many instances when society, the world, the public will see and perceive an individual as guilty until proven innocent. We will be convicted, I guess you could say, by public opinion. We will be judged by public opinion as having committed that crime, that wrong or that infraction. People will turn against us and will make an opinion based on only one version of events. 
not hearing our version, not knowing our story, but what they read about in the media, hearsay, what they perceive and believe to be the reality without ever having spoken to us and knowing the truth of what really took place, knowing exactly how things transpired, how we ended up in such a situation, many a time not due to no fault of our own, because we're standing up for what we believe in, because we have rights, because we're fighting. But the true fight of Christians and of believers has to be on our knees. No matter the situation, we have to know that vengeance belongs to God, the battle is His, and that the truth will come out. We know that the truth will set us free. And whether that is literally free from a prison or whether that is free internally, the truth will set us free. And the word of God says what is done in the dark will come out in the light. So we have to hold on and have faith that whatever is being said about us, whatever is taking place around us, vindication will happen in the supernatural for sure. And Lord willing, also in the natural but let's keep our eyes open. Let's keep our ears open. Let's be less willing to judge and more willing to give people the benefit of the doubt, knowing that there are always three sides to every story, his version, her version, and the truth in the middle. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education and when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another, and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world, you just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. So can you keep my secret? You see the